0: Good morning, and welcome to Fence and by the Book, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at the early Lush and how a longsword glosses. I'm your host, Mike Swarridge, and joining us are our panel of Johanna Hopfgardner, Michael Chidester, Stephen Cheney, and TQ. This is episode 24, where we'll be discussing lines 70 to 71 on the via versets and the four displacements, misplacements, breakings. <laughs> We're going to argue about that for like the next hour, so I don't know. Uh, we're recording this episode straight after the last episode, so uh, yeah, let's jump straight in. Johanna, could you give us the German version of these
1: lines? Yes. <laughs> Thank
0: you very much. And Steve, could you give us uh, Harry R.'s translation?
2: The Forsetsen are for. They leave lager well sword of the parrying, beware you should not be caught there
0: <laughs> okay so so just to jump on Harry's awesome rhyming scheme, uh the four you'll leave sword. it's not sword as in the thing that we're hitting each other with, it's sword as in
3: owie
2: s o r e d yes
0: made Great.
3: sore in the true tradition of bad poetry and songs.
4: Uh, All right, and Harry doesn't... ...worthy
3: of like an hour.
0: Harry's a coward and doesn't translate this word, does he?
4: Right.
3: Let's start there. What does phrasexin mean?
4: (laughs) Ho ho
2: ho ho ho! Good question!
3: (laughs) So, right, ver is a prefix meaning, like, do something incorrectly or wrong. And sets is a prefix meaning place. Is a word meaning place or put into position. So, versets means misplace, right?
4: Yeah, uh, I think that fair is actually a prefix meaning do before. So, it means place early. Yep. Well,
3: before, right? be Right?
4: Yeah, but vorsetsen
3: is definitely used in at least some glosses, isn't it? Yeah, place, but, it you. means place before. Put yes. in front of. Get in front of, yeah. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> well, to vorsets is uh, to lay a trap for an animal that's going along its path. You set the uh, trap along the animal's path in front of the animal, and that's force Should
4: we try and do this systematically, and have Johannes give us the current definition, and then someone, Steve, give us the old timey definition? Sure.
1: Maybe. A fair setzen, I'm just thinking of it. I, I I'm not sure if we, <laughs> 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 um, if we have a fair setzen, we. Um, we do have it in one <laughs> context, that so definitely not the one meant here. Uh, Facet right <laughs> uh, means to uh, to to stand somebody up.
2: <laughs>
1: uh. Yeah. So if you if you um, that could here. Meet, yeah, if you want to meet somebody <laughs> and then let them let them wait, and you yeah you just you you, you stand somebody up. No, so like that,
4: stand up the date.
1: Yes, <laughs> so that's uh, one of the only instances where I would use facetson. but it can also mean uh, to relocate uh, or to transfer something or somebody or whatever. but as 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 T said, i I have to agree with his translation of misplace. um it 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 yeah, it means to to misplace or to place something uh, incorrectly.
3: I'm vindicated. <laughs> ah.
2: So, this can I talk about? Can I go on, on my rant now?
0: Yes. Okay.
2: <laughs> it's not. It's not. It won't be a rant. I promise. Hopefully, it'll be coherent. So, the word "frazetson" kind of went went through like a shift in meaning over time, and that shift happened after the sources were written. Um, this is all like. All this stuff is from uh, Grimm's Dictionary, by the way, that I'm figuring out. So the later meaning is to like locate, like relocate something from one place to another, like move it from one place to another. Um, but before that, uh, frizetzen the the main definition of it was to block something by putting something in the way. So literally a parry. So par, you know, a cut's coming in. I put my sword in the way to block it. That's a frizetzen. So. That kind of thing. Um, As far as it's used here, so used as like the four attacks, according to Grimm, it could also be used kind of like in the sense of the opponent's strike becoming the object uh, rather than the defense. So, kind of the idea of the person attacking against the defense being the one for Zetsing um and i kind of came to think of that a little bit as well actually no this is separate a separate thing that i've thought of is by like staying in the Lager, or you know the position that person is offending you so you're frizzetzing by attacking them but yeah hopefully that muddied the waters a lot <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I translate the fear for Zetson as the four attacks because of this. Because the, um, you know...
1: Whoa. Because of okay. the way... <laughs> That's a daring translation. <laughs> so yeah. you
4: know, it means four attacks here. What does it mean when it's not being used here? Parry. So it means attack or parry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I think the word parry is, is a little bit... Uh, there's, there's a little bit of baggage with the word parry, because people have different opinions of what exactly a parry is. But when I say it, I just mean any blade action that's you know defending you from their attack, pretty much.
3: So I think that um, the other, if you want to go on the hunting thing, which we talked about a bit last episode, I referenced one of the hunting meanings of Vorsetson or Vorsetson. They're kind of used interchangeably a bit uh of being an ambush along like the path of an animal and the other one is the term gets used in hunting for a sense of like flushing something out of its uh out of its lair or uh you know like beating the bushes to make the make the things come out um and in that context it's specifically something you do to an animal in their lair actually so is vorsetson as well that's something you do like you take the path out of its lair and you lay a trap on that path so it's a it's directly connected to lager in that sense which is interesting well, in either of those senses, which is interesting.
2: Yeah, it's de- that's definitely um, you know a, a reasonable explanation and translation that fits very well. I have a couple, just real quick. I have a couple other ones that are maybe a little bit more um, esoteric. So, another definition that Grimm gives for Frisetsen is a reply or an answer. So, maybe you can possibly think of the "fear Frisetsen as replies to your opponent's position
3: or answer in the sense of solution maybe but i d- guess that's probably not the sense that grim is using for answer
2: yeah I, I it's just in my notes i don't remember exactly what it is but um there's also like you can say like uh which means like to deliver a blow is that right johanna yes it is yeah, so actually my previous definition was based on that. I, I used to say yeah uh, for entries. Cause like you're kind of entering in to like deliver a, an attack. But huh.
1: yeah, that would work.
2: So you you like entry better than attack then?
1: <laughs> and I'm not saying that. <laughs> okay, good.
2: <laughs> anyway, that's my that's my spiel on for Zetson. And everywhere else it's it's parry. It's just a block. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's not some esoteric, you know, thing of, you know, placing the blade, you know, mit- displacing or misplacing the other person's blade. It's just blocking them, preventing them from hitting you using your sword.
1: But why don't you like uh, displacing or misplacing?
2: Because I think it, I don't know. I was going to say because it muddies the waters, but <laughs> now that I <laughs> now it's that all I think, mud, I don't wanna... It's
4: all mud all the way down.
2: Yeah. Now that I think about what I'm saying, maybe it doesn't muddy the waters like more (laughs) any more than what I'm saying. But yeah, I think uh, one of the things that so the displacement thing, one of the things that that leads people to do is think of maybe parries as something other than blocking, and also for the fear for Zetsun, I think for a long time. Or, like a lot of um, interpretations I've heard have been of like when you do this, you're kind of attacking and defending at the same time. So, you're attacking in such a way that also defends you, which may hold true for some of them, but certainly not all of them. I'm looking at you, Scheidelhau against Auber.
3: <laughs> One thing I do like about the misplacing translation is, I guess, something we'll come to in a little bit um, that it helps that it, like, it gives you the double meaning of trying to avoid misplacing your own blade, which is something that's arguably like implied in some of the later parts of this section. And it's a word that kind of lets you get away with all of those meanings at the same time, although it's a bit of a stretch for some of them. There aren't really any great cognates that you can use to translate this word universally, I don't think. Or any great like words that you can use to capture all the senses of the way Versetson is used here.
4: No, I go with displace because, to me at least, it evokes parrying, and it also has a little bit of the idea of flushing your opponent out of their position or displacing them from their position. But it's not a great translation either. It's just the best that I can come up with. So I've been sticking with that in the face of Steve's complaints, but um, it's not – like, I don't think anyone's come up with something that really – captures the meaning in a way that sounds good in english i
2: don't think that there is a good i don't think there's one wor- good word that encompasses all the meanings that that's
4: the translator's means. burden
2: yeah so that's why i've kind of given up on trying to find one word and i just translate it separately now which allows me the privilege of choosing which cases of and <laughs> are go with each meaning Cool. Which I enjoy doing and hope and uh,
0: yeah, but but at least you don't leave it in the original. <laughs> I'm
1: I'm just looking at my middle East German dictionary and I found uh, um as to refuse or to deny someone something, hmm. and some other crazy stuff. Oh yeah, um and the uh the one t mentioned uh, to lay someone a trap well, that's really cool but i also found <laughs> um the word fasats um and it meant the juice of grapes <laughs> that's probably not the right one that's um,
2: definitely the right one
1: <laughs> problem solved okay. we fixed <laughs> <laughs> um, so it now oh it's not it's uh, it's um. Those aren't any grapes, so they they need to be green, so not ripe yet. Anyway, ah. uh, that's not the one I meant. But uh, they they say that versatzen can mean uh, to refuse or to deny someone something. Yeah, that's cool. I like that.
0: All right.
2: So, what do you think that they're denying? They're refusing or denying in the fear for Zetsen?
1: Ah, well, in a sense of parrying, I would say the hit. Um, well, I,
2: I agree with that, but what about the fear for Zetsun?
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> you're denying them their guard.
3: <laughs> like if you if you look at the if you look at the hunting sort of meanings, you can say something like you're you're denying them the safe position they're in. You're making that position something they have to move from. Um, Uh, would be the the comparison like you force them to move out of this position you know or you set up the ambush as they move out of this position or something like that like those sorts of vibes
1: i i think it's the four juices of unripened grapes
2: (laughs) who knew that that kdf was teaching us how to make wine this whole time
3: (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah so, sorry, what were you going to say? Go on. No, I was going to move us on. Do you go ahead, too? In which case, I assume we're going to move on past these because we've already looked at these basic technical actions um, in the previous 23 episodes. Um, so, I have a question if we're going to skip
4: past them, which is they're bucketed as a single item here as our second help What do you think they have in common that makes them four of the same thing, if anything?
3: the ways you attack the four guards we just had. I was going to talk very quickly about the one technical thing I forgot in the how, which is a particular way of doing it I've seen. And then we can come back to that question, maybe. Um, okay. The Bulgarians have a... The Motus guys from Bulgaria have a crazy uh, way of doing a how, where they do a kind of a super-extended long pal with crossed hands and then they uncross the hands to turn the point in, which is actually quite elegant and it keeps the hands pretty high. Uh, but it's definitely the wackiest how I've seen in quite a while when they showed it to me. So, fun yeah. variation if you don't like any of the others. Try that one out.
2: I'll think about it.
0: <laughs> um, I don't dislike it that much. Um, I mean, the
2: crumb howl great. The a great attack, so yeah.
4: Great attack.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, that not... was basically my argument with them when, when I met them. Like, this is brilliant, but I don't see why you're calling it a shuttle how. howl. Cool.
0: Uh, answer that one, Bobo. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's just so- moving on to the, the gloss of this section just quickly to interrupt things uh, Mark, so you've heard uh, before the four guards and here Ringet goes off and says that um, you should only fence with the the four guards and uh, there are some so first out, crimp out against Ox second uh, fourth Hugh against Vomtag, third Squinter against Plough, fourth Alba with the Scheitel Hell.
1: You mean Pika and Pika?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, so, so.
4: The, why, why are we only supposed to fence from those four?
3: Because it's literally what's said in the previous section. Um, like, <laughs> in the. And the gloss of it that you should hold solely to these four guards. These these are the four guards. They're the four guards that you should fence from. Like we covered it in the the exact previous uh the exact previous episode.
4: <laughs> Except that we're not fencing from them most of the time.
3: Well, now that's what they're fencing from, but that's fine. That's just like it's just fencing. <laughs>
4: oh,
3: um, so, besides, yeah. this is just a reminder. It just tells you, you know, you've heard that there are four guards and you should only fence for them. Now you should also know these are the four ways you break that. You mess with that.
2: Okay, so if we're fencing against people and guards, should we always only use the Frisetsen, no matter what, against those guards?
4: I know what Hans Madel says.
1: <laughs> I know too.
2: <laughs> no, we cannot talk about Hans Madel next. But I want to talk about separating this from real fencing first.
3: These
4: are clearly the only cuts that work against those guards. So... <laughs> <laughs>
3: So something which I uh I think I saw Jake uh, Jake Norwood say, and I'm sure other people have seen it before, is that like there's the downside that this kind of I think a common idea in HEMA is that like these might have worked like back in the day when they were secret moves that like people didn't know. But now if you know someone stands in fluke, they know that you're gonna she' gonna do a shield because that's like the the Lichtenauer counter, right? But the the flip side is you can basically go, Okay, well, you might know that I'm gonna try and do a shield, but I'm gonna just really I'm going to do a really awesome shield, and it's going to be really strong, and really powerful, and really committed. And I'm going to make you afraid of it, so that you have to respond to me. Um, and that does actually kind of work. Like even if somebody knows what's coming, if it's a move you execute well and not something they're confident encountering, you can still use it efficiently.
2: Well, that's when you get into the um, the tactical wheel, because once if you're the okay, so if I'm in Fomtog and uh, my opponent's in in um, Flug then they know that I'm going to, you know, throw a shield how, but I know that they know. So that might make me do a fake shield how and you know cut around or something. And then you get into this like progression of like, you know, where you are in the tactical wheel. So that's how you can create like actual fencing out of like I know what move he's going to use. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, you can definitely use it to set up second intention and so forth type actions. But that also only really works if you're willing to do the direct first intention version of it at least a fair bit of the time.
2: Right, of course.
3: That's a problem you see quite a lot in HEMA, I think. Uh, people yeah. who don't actually do the basic action and try to do complicated actions often instead, so you just get messy counterattack, like compound attack and counterattack uh, conflicts.
2: Yeah, and then their opponent never like expects them to actually do the cut that they're threatening. So they don't know how to respond, so they'll do weird stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So, Michael, you were saying something before I rudely cut you off.
4: Hans Medal, probably. Uh, uh, he, he points out what should be obvious to all of us. Sorry, were you about, about to interrupt me?
3: I wasn't sure it was Hans Medal you were about to talk about, but go ahead. Damn it, um, T, you've
4: deemed us all. <laughs> what he says is, actually, you can use most of these cuts against most of the guards because it's nothing. There's nothing magical about these particular strikes. And he goes on to list um, just so many cuts against each guard. So he says the crowd, the, the is great because it can counter three different guards, um, not only from tug but also the oxen plow. According to the um, verse that says you know, about the oxen plow. Um, he says that the cr- the pow not only counters the ox but also the plow and the fool. The cockeye not only counters the roof, which is odd because it doesn't actually counter that one. Um, but also um, from the left side, it can counter the fool. He runs on underneath, and in the same way, the part not only breaks the fool but also the ox and the plow. So basically, each one of these cuts is good against a variety of positions. And not just the pairings of one to one that we get in the gloss, um, which is interesting and, for the most part, truthful. Although in some cases I don't quite understand what he means. Like I'm pretty sure the verse on the oxen plow is not about actually attacking the oxen plow.
2: It is in Hans Medel.
4: Oh right, in Hans Medel, he has he has a weird different play, doesn't he? Yeah, wow. he actually
2: goes all the way down to like the <laughs> his his opponent's plow, which is Albert. <laughs>
4: Yeah, is I he, love doing the Tver how against Albert. It's great.
1: Is he talking uh, about his idea of the of the guards? Oh, Liga's name, or is he talking about uh, the RDL idea of the? He's uh,
4: talking about his names.
1: Okay, Hans so, I, I I don't get him.
2: <laughs> so yeah, he goes all the way down to the feet with the Tverho.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> the Krim now. I've certainly seen people use it against all three of the, the lower yeah. positions. Yeah, so that one I can get behind. Whatever you name them. I don't think it's a great idea against Plow, but it's a thing I've seen people do. Yeah.
3: It's definitely a, see, a thing you see people advise a lot on the internet.
4: Yeah.
2: I feel like it becomes a crump at that point if you're like trying to go all the way down that low. I don't know. Maybe not.
4: I mean, the, the crimp out against Plow, specifically, is a crimp. Oh. He also, I believe, mentions... I don't see it here. Uh, uh oh he also mixes it up when he describes the cuts themselves. Um and says if they stand an ox, then fall upon it with the crooked cut or with the cross cut. Remembering so then that's the uh if he's in plow, then break the cross cut against it. If he lay in the fool, then break the parter or wrath cut against it. So he's the only one who brings in the Zornhau into this equation. And the parter from the top of the head will be chosen if some say and if they lay in the position from the roof. Break the cockeyed cut against it. So he mixes up which four, uh, which cut goes with each of the guards, but also then goes on to say, actually, most of these cuts were against most of the guards. Which that part of it I agree with, even if his specific examples are a little bit confusing. <laughs> yeah. And that brings me to the other interesting thing about the fear of Fazetsin, which is the 3227A completely disagrees. Well, like 80% disagrees. Um, there is a line in 3227A that says that you should break all the guards with cutting, um, but when it comes to the actual teaching of the fear of it takes a different tactic. And the version of the fear of in 3227A is that, you, that the fear of the four displacements, are just the four basic strikes Um, From above, from below, from the left, from the right. So, your four basic diagonal cuts, um, which are used to displace basically everything. So, nothing about breaking guards, just that you should be, you can use your basic cuts as parries. And that's his teaching here, which is sort of analogous to what we get in the next section in RDL, which talked about parrying the way peasants parry or parrying the way Lichtenauer wants you to parry. Um, and for three two seven a, that is the teaching that goes with this whole section.
2: Should we talk about that last part then?
4: Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
2: so Danzig sucks, and we can ignore him. What do the other what? ones say?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Poor this Please.
2: is so. This this uh, passage is.
3: This passage is actually one of the most problematic passages in the section, um, yeah. in terms of what it has done when interpreted by modern users. So this is uh, couplet 71. Uh, Guard yourself from parrying. If that happens, it also sorely troubles you, um, to paraphrase. I guess I can read. Word perfect. Good job. Like, by Uh, paraphrase, I mean I read something off a screen and edited it while I was reading.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So we have slightly different text in each version here. Although I think they all have the same message. I mean, the way I interpret Leves. them, they certainly do.
2: Lev's is different, I think. Yeah, Ryanic and Donsig. So in um So the Danzig, let's talk about Donsig. Let's 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 tear off the band-aid here.
4: You just you just were batching on him.
2: <laughs> right, that's why we're tearing off the band-aid. <laughs> So he says, do not parry as the common fencers do. When they parry, they hold their sword or their point high or to a side. Um, and that is to understand that they do not know how to search for the four openings with the point in the parry. Therefore, they will often become struck. Or when you want to parry, parry with your hue or your stab and search in thus with the point for the nearest opening so no master may strike you without his harm.
4: So that seems pretty straightforward don't do static parries. Instead, make sure that you're always reposting immediately.
2: Sure. Yeah.
3: What but it I... often gets turned into <laughs> is a, an admonition that says that you have to like keep your point like right in the middle. The whole leads to fairly badly structured parries and lots of messy double hits. Yeah, or know,
2: even exactly. worse. Even worse, never parry. <laughs>
4: yeah, just
3: always counterattack with your own attack, right? Yeah.
4: You get this rule of thought where you should always be doubling against your opponent because you're not parrying. So that one's obviously wrong, uh, or not so obvious, I guess, because people do it a lot, but should be obvious. The admonition that you should always parry with your point forward is weird. I don't understand how you could do that effectively, but many people swear by it.
2: Yeah, you can't, and that's why it's a problem.
4: (laughs) I think parrying by its nature requires you to take your point offline, doesn't it?
3: Pretty much. You can like if you if you can get your strong in the way, you can kind of do it, but it becomes very there are ways and lines of attack for somebody to come in through your week which are really hard for you to deal with in that sort of way. It's a lot easier to just let your point drift a little bit and set up a much more secure parry and then a very quick repost.
2: Yeah. If you're doing a counterattack with opposition it's possible. But it's you know, the the closer or the more you keep your point Pointed towards your opponent, the tighter it has to be. The tighter the timing is, really. So putting your point to the side, kind of, it gives you like breathing room, I guess, is is a, kind of what I'm thinking.
3: Yeah, it, like it lets you, and even letting your point come like a relatively little bit to the side, like you know six inches, one foot, something, just drifting a little bit off towards the incoming attack, uh, gives you a lot of extra security. You're sl- you slow down your repulse very slightly, but not by enough to matter because you're so much less likely to be hit in the first place. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, in general, I very strongly favor a letting the point drift offline a bit, but keeping it. Like, the way I read a lot of this section, and I guess we'll talk about this again when we come to the Reacts bit in a minute, is the idea that you want to keep your... You want to try and parry in a way that you can repost more quickly than they can remise. They can make a second attack. So, if you're letting your like doing some super committed action where your blade goes way off to the side and you're like super grounded and they can easily come into a second attack um, way before you can get back from that, then it's bad. But if you let your point go a bit off to the side, but you can come back in uh, really quickly and efficiently and they're like out and away and can't cover it, then that's good, Um, is the like the underlying message of a lot of this, I think.
2: Do you want to talk about Ring-X, then? I don't think Ring-X is much different from Danzig's, but if you want to...
3: Yeah, I think the one thing which, like, the the kind of the bad humor version of this, I think, is a conflation of ring and Danzig, and it gets the first paragraph from Danzig and the second paragraph from ring So ring says guard yourself from all the parries that the common fencers do, or the normal fencers do. They allow the point to go out low or high to the side, and whoever does that can't seek the openings. Therefore, do not parry like this, and note when they cut, so you will cut, and when they thrust, so you will cut, and how you'll uh, cut and thrust, you find that written in the five fused and in the absetson. So people often conflate, I think, this section with Dantess, like they let their point go high into the side, uh, and that's bad. And they end up thinking, okay, this means I should never parry, I should always counterattack. But even if I'm using a cutting or a thrusting motion to parry, I can like cut slightly over your cut without worrying about trying to hit you. To make my parry much more secure and then come quickly back in. Or I can thrust past your thrust and take your point offline and then come back in. It's not inherently, I don't have to try and hit you with these actions. I just have to move, displace your blade with a particular direction of movement or style of movement.
2: Yeah. So Lev here says, um, additionally, beware of attacks against the guards if you otherwise don't want to become harmed with strikes. So I chose to translate it as attacks there, because I think this is talking about for Zetson in the sense of the fear for Zetson.
3: So this is right. basically Lev saying, don't let them do the fear
2: to you, right? right? Exactly, yeah.
4: And note that in Lev, it's actually glossed as part of the same section of the fear for Zetson. And also in ringek Only Danzig breaks it out as a separate section, yeah. I believe. Because ringek uh, yeah. does maybe in one version, but not generally.
3: Let me check. All right. I'm checking already. I have it open.
2: So there's actually another thing here. While you guys are checking, in uh, Nikolaus, um, this actually differs from the other glosses. It says, "Therefore, uh, beware that you do not parry a lot if you otherwise don't want to be struck." So they just say, "Don't parry too much." So I guess
4: good uh,
3: advice. Ross-
2: yeah, Rost and Call think you can parry sometimes, but not too much. So, I guess, kind of a callback to, um, you know, the.
3: Those who go after strikes have little joy in their art. Ringek exactly. does not break out this section in any copies, by the way. Okay.
4: In the Speyer version, it does, um, but not in the main Ringek versions. Dresden, Glasgow, Rostock.
3: Yeah, Rostock doesn't have this. Um, and Dresden and Glasgow oh. both have it, but they keep the. Zettel uh, in just one. Um, yeah. One block. The
2: Nikolas version is my favorite.
4: It makes sense to read Love as a continuation of the
3: Fear for Zetson.
2: Yeah, that's my reading of
3: it. Yeah. I think one phrasing of uh, one other little thing, we're basically all in agreement on this, but one other little thing which might be worth uh, talking about quickly is, is the sense. Ringx says here, like, guard yourself from the parries that the common fencers do. Um, and Lev has this implication. Lev also uses a similar phrasing, you know, watch out for parrying. But Lev is talking, it seems, about, like, watch out for versetsen being done to you. Whereas Ringx seems to be talking about, like, avoid doing this type of versetsen yourself. Which is an interesting inversion of the meaning. Um, so yeah. For the claim zettel line.
2: An- another... Another case of the Zettel having multiple possible readings.
3: Yeah. The Zettel line, Vorversetsen, uh like, is not specific. And the two, Rienk and Lev, have taken that in two different directions. It's always an interesting yeah. uh, situation.
4: Since they're yeah. the two main glosses, yeah. So an interesting side note, Joachim Meyer glosses this. He only has, a, like, three or four places in his entire book where he quotes the Zettel and applies a meaning to it. And this is one of them. Um, in his section on displacement. And I think what he says is actually really useful. So I'm gonna read it. Um, So he says, of displacement beware, you should not be caught there. Um, With these lines, he does not entirely forbid displacement, nor say that you should only learn how to strike, for as it will harm you if you will rely on displacement, since you would be compelled to displace too much. So it is no use to be overly aggressive with striking or to hew in recklessly at the same time against his strokes, as if with closed eyes, for this is not fencing, but rather a mindless peasant's brawl. <laughs> um, and then he goes on to explain the different kinds of displacements and how sometimes you can cut against their cut to set to, to to parry it, other time ta- and other kinds of parries and so on. But he he's I guess in his time people might also have been misconstruing what this verse meant, and he wants to correct them and say he doesn't say don't displace. He says beware of displacing. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, I think one of his most insightful places in his long longsword, really. Because he talks about things I care about.
2: Does he literally define eyes closed fencing
4: there?
3: Uh, It's not quite the same as eyes closed fencing, but it's pretty similar.
4: Huh. He, he, he mocks you. it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, it's definitely... When I'm talking about this with people, I sometimes talk about, like, fencing as a... The metaphor I sometimes use around this stuff is that fencing as a conversation, right? And, like, you need to... It's really boring to try and have a conversation with someone if every time you say something, they just yell like the same thing back at you. And in the same way, it's really boring to try and fence with someone where every time you fence, you attack them or you, like you start the exchange, they just like do the same action, and like they do a counter- or they do a counter thrust just every single time. There's no like interplay of fencing there going on. So that's a you get a more interesting game if you're recognizing and reacting and being aware to what the other person is doing. Um, it's a more satisfying like, thing to actually do.
2: True. Do I have anything else for this? Pierre for Zetson. I guess we'll save uh, if you have been parried until next week.
4: Are we content that we understand for Zetson now? <laughs> yes, it's misplacement.
1: <laughs> Obviously. <Right.
3: laughs> this podcast is going to form into two camps, so we'll have a war at, when a HEMA event is allowed again.
4: Two, Lager.
3: <laughs> yeah, something uh, like that.
4: ha uh, ha. Uh, uh,
2: uh. uh-huh. And one will have to that's the other.
4: I'm just checking to see if 32278 has anything interesting here.
2: I was th- like, okay, can think about like if you're like on the streets and like, okay, so you got your sword. You're you're like someone else got their sword. They draw their sword and like go into a guard. So they're really the one who's like offending you there. They're the one who's attacking you, like by being in their guard. So by drawing your sword and attacking them, you know, that's really a, a defensive act. It's it's a frizetzel.
3: <laughs> Just going and hitting them with your sword is now officially parrying in Steve's KDF. <laughs> Steve's
2: great story. Well he started it, so that like If they start it, then you're the one who's (laughs) Frisetsing.
3: That's an interesting approach.
2: Yeah. So, on a (laughs) a more serious note, I forgot to mention this earlier. So, like, we mentioned uh, Lager as, like, a military encampment in the last episode. And another way to think of Frisetsing is, like, an attack on a military encampment, like, an an assault on, like, a position. So, like, if someone is sieging you, you're, like, mounting a counter offensive against the siege i guess
3: like a sally sally forth or something like that
2: sure yeah it's a very british way of putting it but yes
3: that's what like that's the term for this thing <laughs> <laughs> okay just because history is written by brits
4: if you say so british guy
3: i'll link right. the oxford english dictionary
4: for you i only read the webster's dictionary <laughs> Sorry, I only read oh.
2: Um as an American. Okay. So does anybody have anything else pertaining to fear for Zetson?
4: Yeah, I do. Um, Hans Middle has one final writer on this section about common fencer parries. He says, guard yourself that you do not displace too much if you do not wish to otherwise become struck as the catch fencers do, since they can drive nothing but parrying. So people who parry too much are just dirty catch fencers.
2: What does that mean, catch
4: fencer? Um. Yeah, it's like catch wrestling. No. Uh,
2: what does that translate from?
4: I don't know. I'm pulling up the uh,
1: like, metal page.
4: I just have the translation in front of me.
1: It it says, "Yeah, willst du anders nicht geschlagen werden als die Rabenfechter?" So they translated "Rabenfechter," and apparently they used. Wait a second. I just found it somewhere. Uh, yeah, the rappen uh, apparently meant uh, to gather or to snatch or to seize. Hmm. Um, but only... No, 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 no. Um, th- that's what it says on the Wiktionary page. <laughs> I do not agree.
3: <laughs> How would you translate
4: ra- factor?
1: Like um... robber
3: fencers or like... Oh, this is the same oh. word as like robber yeah. knights, isn't it?
1: I'm 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 unsure because rab raben or, or rabe is usually the bird uh, the raven, <laughs> um, mm. oh. but I I can't make a connection to fencing.
4: <laughs> there will be a secret society of fencers. The enemies of I the mean, greater.
1: Maybe
3: there I is...
1: wonder if there's a. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, nah, I was uh, no, nah, I have no idea. So I'm 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 looking up in my uh, Middle High German dictionary. Uh, looking for words that sound similar or look similar uh, similar yeah i only know know the raven the raben there is also rappe, um which is related um nowadays it means a black horse but rabe usually means something black but i i can make no connection to fencing at all
3: how are they spelling this
1: uh r-a-b-e-n
3: okay because there is raubritter um which is raub but i don't know to what extent that would be an acceptable alternate spelling like can the u just be dropped potentially um which is like a sort of r- the highway robber slash knight who puts up an illegal toll slash something like that um and is a big problem in like the 15th and 16th centuries um in the holy roman empire are they so that would very
4: i think aggressively
1: yes
3: well, I think it might be like a um a sort of like like you know, this is this is what like unartful evil guys do as opposed to our good fencing, right? That sort of vibe.
1: Yeah, we have um, the, the, the word rauben, uh which means to steal. So I think uh that's where uh a season snatch comes from. Yeah. And that's also where Raubritter comes from. But yeah. I, I don't make the connection right now. Fair hmm. enough. Oh, that's difficult. Yeah, I was looking at it too, but I can't. I can't really explain what what the what the rabenfechter is. It's usually connected to the bird. So even if you use the spell, uh, the spelling was the double p. Um, it's usually connected to the to the rabe or even to the black horse rabe. Hmm.
2: But it doesn't sound like it means catch.
3: Well, catch in that sense would be like seize or snatch. Hmm. The snatch-fencers. The grab-fencers, right? Yeah. Like, this is the same sort of... That Raubritter sense is the same sense as the crazy play in Ballerstein where you, like, pinch the skin on the front of their throat and then cut that to make them think that you've cut their throat.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Um, (laughs) um, Which is... Well,
2: that's the reasonable thing to do. A Raubfechter would be the one who actually cuts your throat.
3: Potentially. (laughs)
1: Probably. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that could be my homework. I, I'd, I'd like to look it up some more.
3: Cool.
2: Sweet. Yeah. OK, do we have anything else that pertains to the fear for Zetsund? All right. In that case, let's wrap up. Oh, st-
4: did we ever answer um, my question about what makes the four things a single thing? <laughs> Are we going to go with the answer of just it's because they all have to do with guards?
3: Yeah. These are, yeah, like you've got four guards. Well, this is, Ringek basically answers this implicitly. He said, this is the set of four guards that are the guards that you fence from and the fencing comes from. And then these are the ways you respond to those positions. So that's like a way to define a set. Hmm. The other glosses don't answer it as well, but that's why they're rubbish.
4: Why do you think they're listed twice in the Hauptstücke then? Assuming we go with the
3: 17 and not the 5 and 12. Why do they
4: get listed separately and then get listed again together?
3: Because they... First, they're listed as technical actions, like this is how you do these technical blade actions. Uh, And then secondly, they're listed as um, like a conceptual set. This is a conceptual use... You know, This is a conceptual problem. How do I deal with guards? And these are the solutions to this problem for you. um, Brought together. Would be the my answer to that question. Yeah, it's not a perfect answer, but I think it's like possible enough.
2: I want to regarding these, you know, the idea that these are how you break guards or counter guards or whatever. I just want to say that I believe, and espe- and um, I think that this is goes along with the text. I believe that an Oberhau is always the an- or always an answer. It's always okay to use an overhaul, no matter what guard the opponent is in. 3227A agrees. Yeah. Or like a stab into a. Or, or sorry, a cut into a stab. Stabs we'll talk about probably in two weeks. Um, because the fear on and are the fear for and but with stabs.
4: Yeah.
2: All right. So uh, we're good to go. Nobody has anything else?
3: I think we're now done. Okay. All right. At long um, last.
2: <laughs> I'm Steve Cheney. Um, our panel has been Michael Smalleridge, Michael Chidester, Johanna Hopfgardner and TQ. Thanks for listening.
3: Uh, this has been Fencing by the Book, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at the early hour losses. Uh, tune in next week for another digression about everything.